A canonization doesn't just mean that the church is confirming that someone is in heaven. It also means that the church is saying that we should look at this person's life because they are a model of holiness for the universal church. I appreciate that very much because my plan A is to go to heaven, but I need all the help that I can get. But this is the same reason why I have a problem with the church canonizing popes. I can't very well relate to a pope. In fact, I can't very well relate to most of the saints that first come to mind when you think of saints. Don't get me wrong. We should be canonizing popes, and I love St. Francis and St. Anthony and St. Dominic and St. Catherine of Siena, St. Therese, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Ignatius. But can we please have some married saints? Some lay people saints? Because for me, and for most of us, the church tells us that the ordinary way to holiness is through the vocation of marriage. Married saints exist. I looked it up. There are maybe 700 saints who were married. But we don't know very many of them. This is why I especially appreciate that Pope John Paul II canonized many lay young people as saints, and he canonized many 20th century saints. I may not be able to relate to St. Padre Pio, I mean, the guy was like in a different league, but I can relate to Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati, and I can relate to St. Gianna Mola. So, are John XXIII and John Paul II models of holiness for me? Yes, but not because they opened church councils or instituted worldwide youth events, certainly not because they contributed to the fall of communism or because they helped save Jews during the Second World War. They are models of holiness because of their faith, their joy, and their steadfastness. Those are qualities that we are all called to have, no matter what our state of life is. Of these three, perhaps joy is the most important one. You can choose to have joy and live your life joyfully. If so, you can be holy. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. We begin, as always, by giving away a prize. Our winner this week is Jimmy Premraj. Jimmy Premraj, you've won a copy of Joe Zambone's new album, Brothers, that we featured last week. If you'd like to win a prize, all you have to do is go to our website, saltandlighttv.org radio, and look where it says, stay connected and enter your name and email address. We received an email from our winner of a few weeks ago, Luke Proctor of Lindsay, Ontario. Luke writes, My wife was just confirmed on Saturday, so in preparation we've been looking for Catholic music online and Salt and Light came up as a search result. It's the first excellent Catholic music radio we've found. We always listen to it online, to the contemporary music playlist. As for our favorite artists, we like them all. We actually bought several albums in the past week because we've heard them on Salt and Light, especially Danielle Rose and the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. Luke adds, We always listen to the Salt and Light Hour when it comes on from the radio website. I love that you have various experts on each time. It's a refreshing view. Well, thank you, Luke. We love that you like our uh, Salt and Light Radio and that you like the program. And congratulations to your wife. We love getting mail, so send all your messages to radio at saltandlighttv.org. Now, today we have an all-new show. Our public relations expert, Danny Torquia, is back to teach us how to pitch a story 
That's in about 20 minutes. Today also we speak to two Catholic students from Ontario who tell us about an initiative that they came up with for Catholic Education Week. That's in about 25 minutes. And in our second half hour, we will be speaking with Tim Sisarich of Focus on the Family New Zealand. A few weeks ago, we spoke about the new documentary, Irreplaceable. And Tim is going to give us all the details. You want to listen to this because the documentary is only showing once on May 6th in the United States and May 7th in Canada. So that's in about half an hour. And after that, we're going to be speaking with Amanda Vernon, who returns to the program. She has a new album, Acoustic Collections. So let's start with a song. Here's Amanda Vernon with Alter Call from her new album, Acoustic Collection. To the one who has a heartache that never goes away To the one with painful memories that never seem to fade He's calling you to come to Him Receive Him and be Restore the life inside you in this sacred meal. He calls us to receive Him, to leave our sins behind, to join with the Change our mind. He 
Amanda Vernon with Alter Call from her new album, Acoustic Collection. And we're going to be speaking with Amanda in our second half hour. But now, here is Alicia with our news. I am here. You are back. In body, if not in yes. spirit. <laughs> you are here. And there's lots been going on. There's been a lot going on. So much that I don't know where to start this week, Pedro. Okay. Start <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> start somewhere. <laughs> so I thought I would start with a um, what I'm calling... Uh, the cardinal hunt that you and I have been on for the last while. Oh, uh, yes. We've been trying to track down Cardinal Jose Rosa Savino of Caracas, yes. of Venezuela. We haven't tracked him down, but Pope Francis has. Oh. And they met on Tuesday uh-huh. afternoon, and according to Venezuelan media and South American media, um, Pope Francis told the cardinal that he is really eagerly awaiting the outcome of the dialogue process that is going on. And when we right. last spoke, Pedro, of uh-huh. course, the Vatican had um, received a letter from the government of Venezuela asking yes. to participate mm-hmm. in this dialogue process. So that has started, oh and good. Pope Francis is, like everyone else, waiting with bated breath to see what happens and whether or not Peace can be found. So the church is participating in mediating the the, the talks. That's right. Now, the other big story, of course, (laughs) the canonizations. Which canonizations? Which canonizations? (laughs) Somebody got canonized? The Day of Four Popes, it's been called. Yes. But I think what's really important is what's happening after that. It was really used as an excuse to bring a whole bunch of people together for different meetings. Uh So we have the Council of Cardinals having their fourth meeting. Um, and this time, they are going through, systematically, one by one, all of the pontifical councils oh, and looking at the role of each council. Do we need it? How can we change it? Can we modify it? Can we merge it into mm-hmm. with another council and create something new? Yeah. So that's been going on. They also met with Cardinal Baldessetti of the Synod of Bishops uh-huh. about the preparations for the upcoming Extraordinary Synod on the on Family. The family yeah. And they got a report from the, oh, this is a long name, from the Council of Reference or the Commission of Reference for the Economic and Administrative Affairs of the Holy See. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Basically a council (laughs) that is studying the economic and the administrative structure of the the Holy See, most famously known for the 30-year-old a PR consultant who was appointed to this body and right. then had tweeted various things that kind of got her sued for defamation. Yes. That's what we know it as. But the ca- the uh, Cardinals received a report from the head of that commission about what they found so far. Mm-hmm. So that should be interesting. And what came out of all of this, Father Lombardi told the media that we should not expect to see the new um, constitution for the Roman Curia before the end of this year. He said expect it in 2015. All right. So they've got a lot of work going on and they've already set the dates for their next meeting that will be July 1st to 4th Mm -hmm. right after the Pallium Mass. Oh, interesting. So they're using using all of these big events as the excuse to all be in Rome and then meet That's good. Save on uh, on plane tickets. Exactly. Makes sense. Makes total sense. 
So there were a couple of other bodies that also met this week. Now the Council for the Economy, one of the two new councils, that, well three new councils that Pope Francis c- um, created, mm-hmm. met yesterday, May 2nd, mm-hmm. um, basically to establish their statutes, how they're going to proceed, whatnot. And the Commission for the Protection of Minors also met this week. They actually started their meetings on May 1st and okay. wrapped up today. All right. And they were also meeting to set their statutes, what their duties are, what their powers will be, and identify who else should be sitting on this commission. What other experts, which other experts are out there that need to be on this commission? Right. And what other parts of the world need to be represented? Interesting. So there is movement. There's stuff going on. Yes. Good. All right. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you very much for that update. Welcome back. Thank you, Pedro. Good and to be back. Uh, we'll sort have of. more. I'm sure we'll keep hearing about these commissions and the Constitution. I'm very interested in the Constitution, but I'm going to have to wait till next year, I guess. Yeah. Alicia Ambrosio is our Salt and Light Hour news producer. You can watch Alicia on her program, Vatican Connections, every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Salt and Light Television and also on demand at saltandlighttv.org. You can also follow her on Twitter at Vati Connections. Hi, this is Joe Zambone, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour. Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now, Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Deacon Pedro, how are you? I am good. Happy Easter, yeah, Andrew. Yes, to you. 50 days, my friend. 50 days. So you know how I just did my, my opening commentary about how we need more married saints. So I'm going to ask you to, from now on, as much as possible, we need some new married saints who are married. Okay, I, you know I, what? How's this? How's this? We are entering into the month of May. Yes, and or saints May from... starts with the letter M. <laughs> so I'm thinking that May needs to be a month on Salt Light Radio dedicated to married saints. Oh, okay. So okay. as of next week, as of deal, next week, deal. we are going to be looking at okay, married good. saints for the whole month of May. Excellent. I totally agree I like with it. you. Okay, very good. You know, you being a married man yourself, I bet you would look for. Saints who can uh, yes. inspire, inspire you as you your vocation. Life. Absolutely. Um, so who do we have today? Okay, we're going to look at Blessed Edmund Rice. Okay, I do not know Edmund Rice. I've heard of his name before because uh-huh. there was a school uh, in, in the school board that you know I went to high school in. Uh-huh. Um, there was a school named Blessed Edmund Rice. Okay. And, you know, I was always curious, like, who's Edmund Rice? Like, you're so used to hearing the... the I've heard a lot of, of blesseds in the church, but I've never heard Edmund Rice's name stand yes. out. So okay. I thought, okay, let me take a look at this saint. And his feast day is coming up. It's on Monday. May 5th. It's Monday, May the 5th. So, you know, let's let's look at his life. Okay, and, sure. And Tell then us. next week, next week, Deacon Pedro, you and our listeners, uh, we'll, we'll get some inspiration from, from some married saints. I totally agree with you, even uh, though I'm not married. But, okay. um, you so, know, they have a lot of inspiration and advice to give us. So here we go. Uh, Blessed Edmund Rice was the founder of the Congregation of the Brothers of the Christian Schools. Uh-huh. And they are often known as the Irish Christian Brothers. So when we look at Edmund's life, we know that he was born in Westcourt, Ireland, in June 1762. And he was the fourth of seven sons in a Fanning family. Uh, at the age of 17, he began working at his uncle's uh, business, and that dealt with kind of a lot of imports and exports. And that was in Waterford, in Ireland. He later inherited the business. Get this one. He was married at 25. Oh, good. A yes, married saint. Yes, he was saint. married at 25, um, but Edmund lost his wife two years later. Oh. 
and he was left with a, a very sick um, small daughter. She was an infant. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that Edmund was a devout man. He dedicated himself to charitable works. Um, though he saw how the economic and political storms of the day were impacting Ireland, mm-hmm. especially in that time, uh, he desired a religious vocation in the contemplative life. Right. Um, on the other hand, the Bishop of Waterford drew Edmund's attention to the bands of uh, youth in the streets, the teenage youth, and he asked Edmund if he um, planned to abandon them. Uh-huh. Um, encouraged by Pope Pius, by Pope Pius VIII and Bishop Husay, Edmund sold his business. He sold the import-export business that he inherited. He arranged for his daughter's care, and he opened his first school in the year 1802. So he had three other schools in operation by 1806 and took the name Ignatius as a religious with companions in, the, in 1808 in a political institute. Edmund established the Catholic Model School and saw the founding of 11 communities in Ireland, 11 in England, there was one in Australia as well, uh, with requests coming from the United States and from right here at home in Canada. Hmm. So he resigned as Superior General of that community in 1838 and died at Mount Sion, which is the site of his first school. That was in 1844. So Pope John Paul II, I uh, can't call him Pope anymore, he's now Saint, Saint. John Paul II, beatified him on October the 6th in the year 1996. Mm-hmm. So we wait for his canonization. So we hope there will be another miracle that will bring Blessed Edmund Rice to the glory of the altar. Okay, so I, I, I think I must have heard of Edmund Rice if he's the founder of the Christian Brothers, because I've heard of the Christian Brothers. Yes, yes, they're a very well-known community. Yeah, they run the uh, Bethlehem University yes. in, in Bethlehem. Absolutely. So, uh, okay, so Edmund Rice is the founder. Yes. That's good to know. Uh, born in 1762, he died in 1844. And we celebrate his feast day again on Monday, May the 5th. May the 5th. Okay, very good. So, and he was married. And he was married. He was married, uh, but for a short time. We're going to get mail here, okay? All the, everybody can write in and tell me all your favorite married saints. Absolutely. We'd love um, to hear that. Just don't, don't say Mary and Joseph, please. <laughs> all okay, right. thank you very much, okay, Andrew Santos. Have a Santos. great week. God bless. Andrew Santos, our saint expert, is a youth minister at St. Justin Martyr Parish in Markham, Ontario. Hey, Audrey Assad here from Nashville, Tennessee, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can find Salt and Light Radio on Facebook, facebook.com slash slradio1. Visit us and like our page, and also visit us at saltandlighttv.org slash radio, and stay connected for a chance to win prizes from our featured artists and authors. And now it's time for... Media Ministry Minutes with Danny Torquia. Danny, happy Easter. Welcome back to the program. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. Happy Easter to you and your listeners. Thank you. So I, 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 I know that this is a question that a lot of people have. They uh, have a story or they think the story is newsworthy. They need to pitch, pitch it to the media. How do they prepare to know their story? I guess you have to know your story before you pitch it. So how do, how do we pr- prepare a story? Well, you mentioned the, the first step, which is like a basic step, is to understand and dissect all the different elements of your story. So the facts, um, what resources you can offer the media, you know, who it will appeal to, mm-hmm. uh, so the audience. And then, um, of course, you should, with that, dig a little deeper to discern what are some of the trends or the undercurrents 
uh, on which this story rests, because that will help you dig deeper when a journalist might not like your facts and your, the superficial elements of your story, but they'll really want to dig deeper into, well, what is this indicative of, what, are, what kind of trends are you talking about, and ultimately the, the answer, you have to answer the question, why should our listeners or readers care? Okay. But assuming you have all that, and assuming you know the media, so it's good to pull up the media's website, it's good to look at the last two or three articles that any reporter, um, but I'd really love to get advice on, you know, now you're ready to, to, set, to talk about your story, mm -hmm. you know who you're going to call, then what? Yes. Well, because I know that in the PR agencies, there's always a big debate on what are your angles. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed, Pedro, Deacon Pedro, that a lot of times PR people will uh, linger in the realm of my story, my story, which ends up being one angle, two angle, three angles. Mm -hmm. But what I find funny is that, you know, if you're developing a relationship with someone that's based on sincerity and dialogue, you've got to be ready to let go of my agenda mm -hmm. and sit back and say, well, my agenda is not working. What would you like to talk about? Right. And it's amazing how PR people or people who are asked to call and pitch a story, they forget that this is an opportunity to place a service call. Yeah. So, you know, what I want to suggest is once you have your, I always suggest five angles. The first one being the most self-serving, which is my story, my campaign, my launch, my goals. And then go to two, to three, to four, to five. And with each subsequent number, you reduce the level of self-servingness mm -hmm. until you're at the end of your angles. And you're like, well, these didn't work for, for you. What would you, is there anything you would like to talk about that I can help you with? I have an executive director. I have a deacon. I have a cardinal. I'm at your service, Mr. and Mrs. Member of the Press. Mm -hmm. And it changes things because they, they end up really ready for a discussion with you based on mutual uh, you know, openness and transparency and more uh, sincerity. So this is, pr you're preparing, and I, I, I just want to back up a little bit because you're saying that it sounds like this has to be done over the phone. Actually, well, follow-ups, when, you, when you're pitching a story to journalists, um, yeah, we always suggest, journalists suggest themselves, if you think it's news, if you think it's got uh, worthiness, if you think I should consider something, email me, but don't leave it just to email. S call me. Yeah, and some of them say, well, and a lot of times we use the newswire, uh, any kind of paid wire service. Mm -hmm. There's even free services. Yes, but media will always say, you know, try to get above the cl clutter. If you think the story uh, is good and you have conviction towards it, then please pick up the phone and let me know. And when you phone a journalist and you actually get the you get them on the phone, yeah, um, do you is it common that you would have that conversation that they would say no, you know, I'm not interested in that angle or that like that you like you could actually like make it down a list of five to the point that you get well, what do you want to talk about? Like, is that a normal conversation? Well, I say five because you never know, but but yeah. uh, you're right. It usually it won't get to number five because they're they're more time squeezed and there's deadlines at, uh -huh. at times. But at least to, when you can get to number two, number three, number four, when, because journalists are very pragmatic, and they, they as long as you have uh, another offer, um, they'll keep stay on the line with you, provided you, you don't linger too long. I mean, they'll be very expressive yeah. and sincere, but by the time you get to, well, what would you like to talk about? Is there something broader here on uh, whether it's faith or whether it's children's uh, you know, social justice or uh, prisoners? or abortion, is there anything else I can help you with, sir or madam? They, you'll find that 
the tension will be reduced. The, the you know they'll they'll be a little bit more open. Mm-hmm. And I I know from experience that at least they'll leave the conversation with a good vibe, and they'll say, well, that person from that that diocese or that char- charitable group. You know, they understood my business, and I may just call them back in the future, and that can make the difference in the world. Right. Okay. So what happens if you get their voicemail? Yeah. You know what? The, I have a three-voicemail rule or policy, uh-huh. which is the first time you leave a message, do leave a message. Uh-huh. I, 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 you'd sell the story, pers- leave all your persuasive arguments in like one minute, and then hang up. Mm-hmm. The next day or a couple of days after, follow up highlighting and reiterating that you have conviction for this story and that you think it's good for them. Mm-hmm. And then the last message is, you know what, I understand this one didn't tickle your fancy, didn't work for us, but keep us in mind if you ever ta- want, want us to give you an expert or give you data on this topic, this topic, and this topic, take care and good luck in all your work. Right. So- and you know, it's been amazing how I've heard journalists call me two, three years after this type of procedure. And we've never exchanged, like, they never, they never would have reached out to me, but they'll say, I remember you. Yeah, you're that guy. And it's amazing how you can actually achieve communication, even if they don't even call you back. Yeah, absolutely, because they're looking for content, and that's where we need to think that we're helping them actually do their job. Yeah, and if they don't respond to you when you've been clear on message one, message two, and then the po- polite goodbye, but here are my services, mm-hmm. it, then, they, then it, that actually, their silence is their message to you saying, didn't work. Yeah. But it doesn't mean don't try again because that's their job. And it doesn't mean that it didn't work because we hate the church. Oh, that's right. And the more we, we apply these principles it, with a steadfast commitment to sticking to them without getting emotional, uh-huh. the more they'll say, you know what, the church is with it. These people are ready for a dialogue. And, and the best thing is when they call you back for the tough subject, even if it's about the worst scandal, we have no. We should not. We cannot say no because if we do, we oh, perpetuate yes. Yes. the worst of what, we, what people might say is that they're, they're they don't want to talk. They're very uh, opaque. Yeah, yeah, of course. Sign, they don't like yeah. talking about. Yeah, 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 and that happens. Anyway, we're going to have to leave it there. But next time, I want to talk about the difference between newsworthiness and noteworthiness. Because how do we know? I think a lot of times we think that our stories are not newsworthy, but there's a way to make them newsworthy, right? Sounds good. Yes. All right. So that's Danny Torquia, our. PR guru. Danny Torquia is our public relations expert. He's the managing director of Torquia Communications. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Torquia. Hi, this is Father Rob Gallia, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM, on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network, on Holy Family Radio in Northeastern Ohio, and online at saltandlighttv.org. Now, before our next segment, we have to first tell you that the province of Ontario in Canada has a publicly funded Catholic school system. So now I can tell you that the province of Ontario and the Catholic school students of Ontario now have a unique connection to Pope Francis. And to tell us more, I am now joined by two Ontario student trustees, Madeline Elipola from the Windsor-Essex Catholic Board and Michael Poloto of the York Catholic Board. Let's start with Madeline. Maddie, tell us about the idea that you came up with. Basically, our idea was from the Catholic Board Council, we wanted to really do some type of initiative that would reach out to students everywhere. So our idea was kind of to have this mass that would take place on one common day around approximately the same time Mm -hmm. that would really influence students no matter where you were in the province. Right. So, so we decided that we were going to have this Mass, and it's going to take place next Wednesday, 
right at the middle of Catholic Education Week, and we had somewhat of an interesting idea to add on to it. Okay, tell us. So our idea that we wanted was, we knew it was a long shot, but we wanted to invite Pope Francis in some way. Okay. So we decided that we were going to start writing him letters, tweeting to him, trying to get in contact with him any possible way that we could. Uh-huh. And we basically asked him to either send us a pre-recorded video message mm-hmm. or even a letter. And a letter is basically just what we got. So you received the letter back from the Vatican? Yes, we did. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit what the letter says? The letter basically sends his blessing to all of Ontario Catholic students, and he supports our initiative and just hopes that this unifies all the students, no matter where they are. It's it's great. How did you feel? Well, first, did you expect to receive anything in return? And when you did, how did you feel? I definitely didn't expect to get anything in the mail. And when I did, I think... It was crying and screaming at the same time. So it was nothing we would have ever expected. We were kind of working on backup plans and trying to preparing for not receiving anything. So when we did, it was overwhelming. It must have been. Um, Thank you, Maddie. Can you pass the phone over to Michael? Sure thing. Hello? So Michael, next week is Catholic Education Week in Ontario. And, and so the Mass is going ahead on May 7th, on Wednesday? There's a Mass in every high school in the province at the same time? Correct. Um, not at the same time. We're planning it um, just because I know a lot of schools. Yes. And uh, our school, personally, we can't fit everybody in the same location at one time. Right, yes. We're doing it uh, two separate Masses, so we've kind of instructed it to be in the case of in the morning. So on the morning of May the 7th, at whatever time, whether it be in a cafeteria outside, some, I think some boards are doing it as well. Hopefully uh, we don't get the same rain that we've had all week, but... Um, so somewhere in the morning on May 7th, all high schools across Ontario um, are going to be doing this, this uh, province-wide math. Right. Now, why, why, why is it important that w- all the schools be united with mass, specifically, on that one day? Well, I definitely feel that um, some, there's a lot of stuff said about Catholic education that we can't really control as students. But we, we know that um, this is kind of a central piece of what, what unites all the students with, that go to a Catholic school. That's the one thing that we all have in common and the one thing that can really uh, bring us together. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, by doing it together in, in a Mass, which is the most you know, central, most well-known um, celebration that we do as a Catholic Church, it, it really just hits home the idea of, you know, this is who we are, this is what we do, what we do best, and how we're, and we're doing it together. We hope that really will give students uh, a new appreciation and a new a pride in their faith that maybe they didn't have before, and even within their schools, doing something that brings the whole school together on one day in, in something that is so central to our faith and, and to who we are as Catholic students. Absolutely. Maybe we can encourage our listeners that if they go to Mass that morning on May 7th, that they can also join in spiritually with all the high school students of Ontario. Michael, thank you for speaking with us today. That was Michael Poloto. He is the Vice President of the Catholic Board Council of the Ontario Student Trustees Association and he is the student trustee for the York Catholic District School Board. And before him, we spoke with Madeline Elapola, who is the president of the Catholic Board Council of the Ontario Student Trustees Association, and she is the student trustee for the Windsor-Essex Catholic District School Board. Coming up in our second half hour, a trip around the world to discover the value of family and a featured chat with singer-songwriter Amanda Vernon. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. 
Can we deny that family is an important aspect of our lives? In all cultures, in all societies, all of us are born into families. But in this day and age, with all that we know, can we say that we know exactly what family is and whether family still matters in today's society? That's the focus of the new documentary, Irreplaceable, produced by Pine Creek Entertainment and Focus on the Family. The film follows Tim Sisserich as he travels around the world trying to figure out what family really means. And to tell us more, I am now joined on the line all the way from New Zealand by Tim Sisserich. Tim, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you very much for having me on. What a great introduction. So before we talk about the actual film, can you um, maybe bring our listeners up to speed about the work that you do and the work of Focus on the Family? Sure. Um, I, up until uh, September last year, I was the CEO of Focus on the Family New Zealand. Uh-huh. Um, after September, the project that we've been working on, the family project and the documentary that goes with it, Irreplaceable, uh, consumed so much of my time, actually, that, I, that now that has become my primary focus for the next wee while. Um, focus on the Family has been around for the last 30-plus years, and its job or role has been to help families thrive. And um, we believe that God has a prin- principles where family is concerned, where marriage is concerned, and so it's biblical principles and a biblical worldview of family that we're trying to help people understand is the, is the best approach. So we do that through radio, through books, through um, basically any sort of media we can get on to, our hands on to. This is our first uh, attempt to try and do it through a documentary. Yeah, I think a lot of our listeners, especially in the United States, would be familiar with the work of Focus on the Family, um, especially the radio program. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I mentioned earlier, we, we all we all born into families. We all, most of us, live in some sort of family. I think most people would say, well, I know what a family is. Why do we need a feature-length documentary to tell us the meaning of family? Well, you know, the question was more what's wrong with the family today. And Focus on the Family, as, as I just mentioned, has been around a long time, helping families thrive. But when it came to a theology of the family, we didn't really have anything. And, and as we looked around the church, the church didn't seem to have anything that, that the average layperson could actually get their hands on and actually be able to say, this is a theology for family. This is some conversation I can have with people that are unchurched about issues to do with the family. So I can talk about things now that from a, how family impacts society, impacts culture, from a social point of view, not just a biblical or theological point of view. And so, so really we wanted to take an honest look and say, what is wrong with the family? And what can we do as Christians to try and help that? So, so really the investigation um, was something that I think we've never done before. So it, it made, the, made the documentary far more important. How did you come up with, with the concept? I mean, I know it's the work of Focus on the Family, but to think of doing it, and I don't want to say that it's a secular approach, but in the sense that you're open to hearing different points of view and, 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 inf- and how that informs, in fact, I think the biblical uh, point of view, or, or if we can say that there's a design by God for the family. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so we've been working on um, the family project, which is a 12-week small group, uh, 12-week small group um, DVD-based yes. um, project that is for, for churches to use. And really, uh, off the back of the, the, the Truth Project, there was, a, there was a conversation in there about family and God's design for family and the fact that we're part of this incredible plan that, that God had in mind before the foundation of the earth. 
And we had some, some people working on it and trying to, trying to help us get our head around what this actually would look like. And when we were putting it together, the project is great, but it had, at the beginning it had a tendency to be a bit sort of um, almost theologically deep, but too deep for, for someone like me, the average man. And so as we were looking at it, we thought, how do we make it more accessible? And, and the approach actually about, about using a, a, a documentary to help start that conversation was actually um, brought up by a, a team in, in California, actually, who make, um, make movies. They just said, why don't you make a film about this? And that will actually give you the opportunity to reach a whole lot of people you never would have reached before. And it also starts a conversation um, at the beginning uh, in a way that is, that is relatable to, to the average person. And why, why approach it from what's wrong with the family rather than the other way around, what's, what's <laughs> right with the family? You know, to be honest with you, and I don't like saying this out loud, but it was actually probably arrogance that, that really, <laughs> that's on my part. Um, I, I was of the, of the view that I, I was a Christian. I've been brought up in a Christian home. My wife was a Christian. We were raising Christian kids who were going to a Christian school. I worked for a Christian organization that had been around a long time helping people with Christian values. So I really thought, uh, and, and as I said, I don't like saying this out loud, but I really thought that if people raised their kids like I raised my kids, the world would be a better place. So really the question was, on my part, if we can help people understand what's wrong with the family, then we can then point to what's right. Focus on the family's point of view around this whole conversation was, let's really take an honest look at the issues that are affecting family today. And once we can establish what those issues are, then we can really bring about bring the, the help and the change that would help a family thrive. Through the process of the documentary, we came to this um, amazing place where, where we realized, well, I realized that my view uh, of Tim Sisterich's family being the right way to go was, was the wrong approach. And actually that most people really do want to have a healthy family. Most people want to raise kids that are loving and caring and, and they want to have great relationships with their spouse. So, so actually your question is a great question. Um, but it, it also helped us, though, to highlight, hey, look, if we really want to have a look at what's right with the family, that's actually where the approach needs to be. We need to start there. And that's what the family project, the curriculum that is following the documentary, is really all about. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about the amazing uh, aspects of family uh, when it comes to marriage and parenting and men and women and the design of them and God's plan for them and how that God wants to use family as the bedrock and um, as the sort of the, the center point of culture and society. So your question is a great question, um, but I think it just shows the honesty of our, of our approach when we, when we went into it in the first place. No, and that makes sense. I mean, you, you, you need a departure point, and it's good to find a point where we can all agree. I think you, you don't have to be a Christian to look at family and see when it doesn't work right. Um, so tell me a little bit more about the the actual family project. It's going to be it's a DVD based curriculum that we can do in schools, parishes. How would that work? Yeah. So the the uh, the family project basically folks on the family produced um, the 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 truth project, which was a about worldview. It looked at worldview uh, generally speaking, and it was really deep, and it was for it was for churches to do in their parish. Um, so fam- husbands and wives to get together and do it, or couples to get together and go through it. And, and there was so much of a response on 
uh, the aspect of family, that focus on the family, decided to drill down into the issue of family and come up with a theology of family. And so when we were filming the documentary and talking to the experts around the globe, we also filmed the, um, the, the curriculum for the family project. So it's about 20 to 25 minutes of DVD uh, content followed by what we call small group discussions. So you get a, a, a leader's guide and you get some, uh, a couple of, a journal each and you can go through and you can talk about the issues that are raised mm-hmm. in the, the, day, the, the, the day's worth of curriculum. And so that can be done, as I said, at home, just with you and your spouse, or it can be done as a parish. It can be done, uh, you could do it, uh, in, in fact, that's, that's probably the most ideal way to do it for, mm-hmm. for someone who has a little bit of an understanding on how to lead a group, which uh, I, think, I think you'd have to acknowledge that most, most Christians have a, have a fairly good understanding on how to run a group. They just have to put the DVD on, they watch it, and then they talk about it. And the beauty of it is that we actually look at how God designed uh, men and women, God designed, and we look at theology and say, this is what it says in Scripture, and this is how it plays out in culture. So when a, when a man takes his rightful place like God designed it, this is how it plays out in culture. This is what it means for a man to stay around in the home. This is what it means for a, the value of a woman and her role and, and the role that God has given her. And that was from the foundations of, the, of, of creation. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, I, I, I hope everyone is as, as excited, excited as I am about this. I, I watched the, the film. I'm going to watch it again in, in Houston next week on May 6th. Um, and I'm very excited about the project. I'm looking forward to getting those DVDs from my parish and, and wherever I can get them. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Pass on to the folks at Focus, Focus on the Family everywhere. You guys are doing great work. It's been a great pleasure having you on the program. Thank you so much for having me, and thanks so much for, um, for, for letting people know about this. We really believe that it's a, uh, it's a vital part of our Christian development, and um, so we're excited to be part of the project. Tim Sisarich is a storyteller and a freelance documentary filmmaker in New Zealand. That's where we reached him on the line. He works closely with Focus on the Family to create media that motivates people to help themselves, their families, and their communities. Um, details on the screenings of the film Irreplaceable. Pay attention because it's only happening one time. You can buy tickets for and you can get details of the one-day-only screening of this latest documentary, Irreplaceable, May 6th in the United States and May 7th in Canada. Go to familyproject.com for the United States and thefamilyproject.ca. If you're in Canada, we're going to put those links on our website so you can find them easily. So May 6th if you're in the United States, May 7th in Canada, you can get the tickets online. Um, and we'd encourage everyone to get, uh, to get as many people as possible to go watch the film. It, it, is, it is truly uh, an important project. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Amanda Vernon with Prayer of St. Francis from her album, Acoustic Collection.
That was Amanda Vernon with Prayer of St. Francis from her new album, Acoustic Collection. Last we heard from Amanda Vernon, about a year ago, she had just released her last album, her latest album, Interior Gaze. Amanda Vernon is a recording artist, a singer, a pianist, and composer in a genre of music that she calls soulful pop music. Amanda recorded her first album when she was 15 and has just released her seventh album, Acoustic Collection. And to tell us all about it, I'm now joined by Amanda Vernon. Amanda, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, thanks so much for having me on Salt and Light, Deacon Pedro. It's an, it's an honor. Yeah, I, so I want to I ask you uh, about the album, of course, but I know that John Paul II has inspired you greatly. So what were you thinking this weekend? How, how do you feel about the fact that he was finally canonized? Oh, man, I don't think it's really sunk in yet. We we had a beautiful uh, celebration in honor of the canonization yeah. in Grand Rapids, Michigan, my uh-huh. hometown. And um, a lot of people gathered, and we had Eucharistic adoration, and it was just a wonderful time to praise the Lord for, man, for the, the tremendous yeah. blessing of being able to, to grow up alongside of, uh, of a saint, you know? Yeah. And just the impact that his uh, his teachings have had on my life and, and on me as an artist are just um, kind of incomparable, I think, to, to other <laughs> other writings, uh, mm-hmm. his, especially in the theology of the body, which has really inspired uh, my the CD that you know that I that I released in last two year. Days, in two yeah. Year days. yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, I know. I think everybody everybody feels the same way. We're still just sort of. Like we knew he was a saint, but we're still sort of absorbing it. Um, right. uh, you, uh, I think I can say this on the air. You're expecting your third child. Yes, thank you. Congratulations. The rumors are true. Woo. The rumors are true. <laughs> um, I, I, am I correct in saying that being a mother I- is an important part of who you are, being a wife? Um, how has being a mother changed your work, your writing, your songwriting? Has it? Oh man, yes, you're you're so correct. I I was explaining to one of my friends just just today how my first priority in, in life is is my vocation as a wife and a mom. And mm-hmm. I mean, of course, that's under the umbrella of I'm, I'm my life belongs to God, but that's how I live it out yeah. as a wife and a mom. Yes. And then my music is my apostle. You know, my music flows out from that. And uh, so yeah, as our as our family grows and changes. Um, I, be, I'm, I, change, I change as well, and I think that just naturally spills over into my music and my ministry as well. Mm-hmm. You have you have two little ones under 
four years old, under three years right. old, they're little. Under four. So we'll have three under four if the baby arrives uh, on time. <laughs> so you spend a lot of time uh, <laughs> running around. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. You got it. <laughs> um, w- um, th- this identity, I guess, as a, as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, um, I know that it comes through in your concerts, mm-hmm. um, but I also know that sometimes... Uh, and in the concert setting, you do it, but you might also do it as a as separately as a con- conference. Is it important for you to to empower? Wi- wi- I don't mean to sound like you're a feminist, but to empower women, <laughs> um, the feminine genius, empower you know uh, as a as a sure. daughter of God. Um, would you say that that's part of your your apostolate? Yeah, absolutely. Empowering other women in their call to serve the Lord, however that might be, mm-hmm. would be you know a huge goal of mine. So if if that call is is like mine in in being a wife and a mother, then I love to speak to like how how do we serve God through that? Um, and I and I be- I believe that every woman is called to motherhood in in some way. Now uh-huh. some will live it out you know, through biological motherhood, but some it's going to be more of a spiritual expression of motherhood. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but, but coming up on having our third child, it's, um, I'm just so blessed. Like our cup is really overflowing with blessings. Yes. Yes. And diapers. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I don't want to make necessarily the connection, but maybe there is. So this new album Clearly, it's acoustic. It's called Acoustic Collection, but we've and we've heard two of the songs already. It's you at the piano. Um, this is raw. It, it was a concert that you felt that you filmed that you taped. Right. It, would you say that there is that the, this is? Maybe I should ask you what is the reason why you chose to go this way for an album instead of doing what you've done before in terms of full production? Right. So it's it's not a, a studio album as as the rest of my. CDs have been. Mm-hmm. Um, it has that live feel. There's an there's an audience yes. there, and a, a lot of it just listening to the the people who it's fan base seems like a funny word to me, but yes. listening to our fan base, I guess those who are supporting our our music and our, our family, and and we've really heard that um, people after concerts would say, you know, this was more than just music. This is this is ministry. This is an experience. This right. Is, prayer and so that's really what we tried to capture in the acoustic collection not not just songs but but that that sense of being at the event of of hearing some of these stories and and praying along so are some of the songs uh, older songs that you've decided to include in this concert setting or are all the songs new songs Right. Actually, since this is actually my sixth album and okay. a few of my projects, as, as you mentioned at the start of the show, that I, I released, you know, when I was 15, my first album. So yes. the, the change in my voice, the change in my yes. demeanor and, and myself it, is huge in that in that those 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did take a lot of songs from those previous recordings that I still play live and I put it all into one collection right. in this acoustic collection so I, I, that's another reason to, to have it all like gathered under one CD for people yeah. Would you still classify or call the, your type of music soulful pop? You know, this one, <laughs> I guess I have a hard time classifying this one as a genre yes. of music I mean, it's, yes. I guess it's inspirational but the, the, the style of music I think still has a lot of soulfulness to it. Um, yes, and it's not all slow songs, even though they are prayerful. Yeah, no. In fact, I, I was going to ask you about "I'm Not in Heaven" because it's oh, yeah. 
and I don't know if there's a, a whole kind of tongue-in-cheek thing about I'm in heaven, the musical <laughs> version, <laughs> because it's it sounds it sounds like a musical, like it's just right out of Broadway. <laughs> yeah, I have so much fun uh, with that song, playing it live and getting people involved. And uh, my pastor growing up in, in Michigan would talk about how you know, don't try to get your heaven here, like save it, yeah, <laughs> it'll right. be better. Um, and and for me, being a kind of a perfectionist type of musician, a lot of the times I, I get disappointed when things aren't aren't perfect, and then it's a good reminder to remember, hey, I, it, right now I, I get four tastes of heaven, but, but this isn't the ultimate uh, the ultimate place here. That's that's a good good reminder. Now you're busy. I know that you're you have some tour dates. I'm not going to rhyme off all of them because people can go to your website and find out. But you're in Minnesota on May 4th. Uh, you're back at home in in Grand Rapids on for the 9th and the 13th. There's a women's conference in Ohio on May 17th. All that information is at amandavernon.com. Um, you are making the album available, explain this to us, available for sale only next week. Sure, yeah. Well, when anyone comes to a live event, they'll be able to pick up a copy of Acoustic Collection so they can check out my website, amandavernon.com, and check out the tour tab, and they can Uh see when they can come see us in person. But next week, well, this coming week, um, May 3rd through the 9th, we're going to make the album available for anyone around the world who has internet connection or even if they give us a call on our toll free number which is triple eight psalm 98 and then they'll be able to purchase it for for a brief window just a week so may 3rd to the 9th you can purchase the album online or call 888 psalm 98 to get the album and after that you can only buy it if you go to one of your concerts yeah exactly good so that's a special treat for the concert goers um Great. Thank you so much. Good stuff. Yeah, nice you're talking welcome. to and you. And are we giving away a few? We did, are. Did we oh, did you say a few? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're giving away at least one, I know, but if you'd like to offer our list more of just one of our listeners, uh, absolutely there we yeah, will be. Yeah, I thought I had to ch- this is like a marriage moment. I'll check with my husband, but I thought he said 3. Uh, that's that's what I heard. Uh, well, there you go. You heard it here first. 3 <laughs> of our listeners are getting uh, a copies of Acoustic Collection. Uh, so that's a special treat. Thank you. And and I'm very happy that the the, the songs that we We've been hearing on this program today, first time on the radio, so you heard it here on the Salt and Light Hour. Um, Amanda, thank you very much for what you're doing. Congratulations on your third child. Um, Keep doing what you're doing, and and hopefully our paths will cross again. Michigan's not that far away from Ontario. Right. Yeah, we're kind of neighbors, so I hope so. All right. You can find out more about Amanda Vernon. Book her for your parish or event and buy her music at amandavernon.com. Now, again, pay attention. Amanda's Acoustic Collection album, the new album, will be available for purchase as a CD or as MP3s at Amanda's website, amandavernon.com, or you can call 1-888-PSALM-98. And also, it's important to remember that it's only going to be sold for that one week starting today, May 3rd to the 9th, and after that, it will be it will become a live event exclusive. Um, and as Amanda said, three of our listeners will get a free copy. So if you like the music, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio and sign up for a chance to win. Here now is Amanda Vernon with that song that we were talking about, I'm Not in Heaven, from her new album, Acoustic Collection. 
stub toes. We're listening to Amanda Vernon with I'm Not in Heaven from her album Acoustic Collection. And that will take us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you missed part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where we post links to our artists or guests. And that's also where you can stay connected to win weekly prizes from our featured artists. Remember to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash slradio1, and send us your comments on what you've heard on this program. And while you're there, you can also look for me on Facebook, Deacon Pedro, and I'm also on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.